Welcome everyone to Freedom Unfolding. My name is Gulveg and I will be your host today. I am so excited to be sharing with you guys today on a topic that is near and dear to my heart and a process that has quite frankly completely changed my life. It's a process that I've been following for years and it is one that has brought me much success, um, a lot of very interesting and prosperous synchronicities. And it is a process also that has, I feel, heightened and exponentiated, if that's even a word, <laughs> quickened my own healing and my personal growth. So um, it's connected to all of the good things. And this is the creation formula, or what I call the creation formula. And the creation formula is pretty simple. The creation formula is just simply that your will for what you want must be greater than the resistance to what you want. So put simply, your will and desire to create what you want must be greater than the resistance that stands in the way from you getting what you want. And I know, right? Like that's kind of like a, well, duh, kind of statement. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it totally makes sense. I already knew that. No big, uh, no big aha moments there. But really though, like I think we all instinctively know that it's not as easy as that, right? Because if like it was just as easy as that, if it was just as simple as that, then a lot more of us would have a lot more of the, the, the kind of reality that we would like to see in our world. More of us would have fulfilling jobs and more of us would have healthy relationships. So in this podcast, we're going to talk about how to tip that formula in your favor. Analogy that I really like that has come to me, and it's probably not mine, it's probably something that I've heard before that just came up in my memory recently. But the um, analogy is a person is in a rowboat and they got their and they have oars in their boat, and the river is meandering, flowing the way that it does. The boat is floating along with the current of the river. A lot of times we forget we have oars. And we forget that although we can't control the current of the river necessarily, we do have some influence on what shore we end up on. And depending on the current, depending on the river, and maybe a few other factors, the rowing, we may have to row more vigorously, or perhaps it's just a gentle little glide over to a nice sandy beach nearby. So but the thing is, is that I want us to remember that we all have oars. We all have some agency over the responses that we have to the river or the flow of life. I don't believe that we are just necessarily victims of fate that everything is pre-described. I think that there are um, patterns and certain possibilities that are more likely than others. 
and that there is this dance between fate and free will. No? I'd like to hear you guys the comments in, um, below in this podcast. I'd like to know, like, what are your thoughts on this dance between fate and free will? And how can we harmoniously create sim the symbiotic kind of relationship between the two where no one is stepping on anyone's feet? <laughs> so we can influence what shore we end up on. But first we have to pick up our oars. And when we're overwhelmed and we're just living in the analytical mind and our, we're in fight and flight, that is a time in which many of us forget that we have any kind of influence whatsoever over our life. And we may just end up floating in an area of the river that isn't really desirable. So this really comes down to like what the definition of magic is. And magic is oftentimes looked at as being this really ethereal thing that only shamans would embark on. But the reality is, is that everyone's a magician. Everyone's a magician. And, I'll, and I'll, to prove my point, like if you've ever prayed, a prayer is a spell. You know, you are eliciting whatever, whoever it is that you're praying to, whatever it is that you're praying to, even if it's source or your divine highest self, you're eliciting, creating an alignment that we hope will get the specific effect that we're looking for. If we've ever uh, worn a, a sacred symbol that we wear for protection or to attract luck, um, that is a, a tool that's aligning our will with a specific effect. Everyone is a magician. And magic is simply just a term that now we are starting to call quantum physics. Now we call psychology. Now we call chemistry. Um, but magic is something that we can tap into at any point in time. So there's this tenant within magic that is uh, about knowing thyself. Um, knowing thyself is... It's something that, again, seems simple, but then when we get into it, it has like all of these love layers and complexity because we're multidimensional beings. We are infinite beings, and so we're a little bit complex. But we can really, for our purposes, we can break it into two distinct categories. Knowing thyself is, for our purposes, is knowing what you want and knowing slash owning what may be standing in your way from getting what you want, from getting the results that you're looking for. In order to shift the tide, so to speak, let's take a, a closer look at this formula. And let's take a look at maybe even some science that goes behind that gives an explanation for this process. So if like the analogy of magic doesn't work for you, rest assured we will bring in some scientific research that will help back this up as well. So as far as like creating a, an environment internally and externally that will attract the results that we're looking for, um, we can take a look at a variety of different researchers, but the one that I really like and, and one of the researchers that I think has some of the most thorough data um, explaining this concept is Dr. Joe Dispenza. And jo Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about coherency between the brain and the body. And um, put very simply, that when we're in fight and flight mode, 
it is a mode that, again, we are in survival mode. No matter if it's a, a boss that's being mean to us that day or a tiger that is like chasing us, the body thinks that there is some sort of danger. And so living in that state creates incoherency between the mind and the body. And there's also coherency that he talks about between the different parts of the brain. When we can create coherency, meaning that all parts of the brain are working harmoniously, that both hemispheres as well as like the cerebellum and the cerebral cortex and the limbic system, when everything is working together and your emotions are aligned with your what it is that you consciously want, and then the behaviors are creating new habits or new ways of being that align with what you consciously want, then it changes your reality. And when we're in a state, a relaxed state, then we can allow the brain and the body then to also create coherency. So now that we're not just focusing mentally on what it is that we want and creating conscious decisions that then align with what we want, which is, which is very, very important, but also our emotions then and the experience of the body then is also aligned with what it is that we want. So this really is like a scientific breakdown of the law of attraction. And the law of attraction is, I'm, I'm personally very um, thankful for it because it gives a very simplistic definition, um, description of how we can empower ourselves to choose our reality. The thing about the law of attraction though is that it's only one half of the equation. Aligning and focusing on what it is that we want and the very, and I don't want to dismiss this at all, it's very important to take actions that are in alignment with what it is that we want, but we're not looking at the resistance. And this is the part that for me was like a really big aha moment because I had been practicing the law of attraction and uh, meditating and focusing on what it is that I want for a really long time. And I was only getting like haphazard results. Like sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't. And then I realized that the other half of the equation that I was missing was looking at the resistance. And the resistance can be both external and internal. So here, here's an example of, um, of internal and external resistance and how they can um, sometimes actually coexist. So uh, let's say that somebody has a dream that their family does not support. So um, this person has a dream to open a, a cupcake bakery, one who only cooks cupcakes because that is really what gives this person joy. And they just know that they could just bring more happiness and more joy in the world. And, and that's what makes them light up and they wanna do that full time. And so they have this dream of having their own cupcake bakery but their family doesn't support it. Maybe they have their own belief system around how a person couldn't make a full-time living and live well just making cupcakes. And so then that would be the external resistance, that part of like what is not supporting that dream is the lack of support by those who are nearest and dearest to this person. The internal resistance might come up where the person may realize Hmm. or actually, if it was resistance, may not realize this, but it may be there anyway, is the fact that maybe that person really feels 
deeply that they need the validation of their family to make this dream a reality. So then they don't even try because of their internal response being internal resistance that their success of their dream coming true is contingent upon their family being supportive. So we can kind of see here how there's both external and internal. The external is the very fact that yes, the family does not support that. And there may be nothing that we can do to minimize external resistance. Sometimes we can, you know, we can make certain decisions, maneuver our external life to, so that we can minimize that. But the internal resistance is the response to that challenge that they themselves have this belief system that they are that they could not ever be successful at something that their family does not support so that would be the internal resistance so if a person is just using one half of the equation to create their cupcake bakery and you know they create the vision board and they're meditating on creating the cupcake bakery and they're meditating and they're focusing and they're feeling even in their emotions that like that it's already attained but they are not able to take any kind of action on that because of this internal belief system that they could never be successful until the family gives them a green light well then the law of attraction, it may end up maneuvering things in our life in order to actually make that come true, a, a surprise synchronicity. Or it could just really be frustrating for that person because the resistance then is just way too much and the resistance is not being attended to. And in either case, whether or not the cupcake bakery actually works with only working one half of the equation or not, that person is definitely working a lot harder and could be working maybe just a little bit smarter by working both sides of this equation, by attending to not just the energy needed to, to focus on what they want, but also attend to that internal belief system that they could not be successful without their family's support. So that's what we're going to be doing here, is we're going to be talking about how to tip this equation into our favor by working both sides of the equation. We're working with both the resistance as well as the, the mental focus and aligning our energy with what it is that we want. Contrary to popular belief, looking at the resistance and attending to the challenges that lay in our path, whether or not they be internal or external, and giving ourselves some time to focus and to work with those does not detract from the law of attraction. It does not sabotage us. In fact, if we do not attend to internal beliefs and internal resistance and responses that are disempowering, maybe sabotaging us, then we're going to end up in the long run having to use a lot more energy to gain the same result. It's just like anything in my else in my life. I, I like it to be as efficient as possible. So this is something I call shadow work as far as like uh, minimizing the resistance. And, you know, shadow work, it may sound kind of scary. Believe me, it, it is not something that has to be overwhelming or scary in the least. But in fact, it, it can be a very freeing experience that allows us to 
to shed any kind of guilt or shame or fear and and to allow ourselves to to really truly be wholly and completely ourselves. Um, so it, it doesn't have to be anything that's scary. And I'm going to take us through a exercise that will be able to do this in a very simple way, doesn't take a long time, and can create a lot of clarity in a very short period of time with actually not, not a whole lot of effort. It's probably saved me a lot of time in, in, in counseling, to be honest, <laughs> to this, this particular process. Both sides of the process, because we're going to work with both sides, both sides require us to learn how to relax the body. A relaxed body is a body that has stepped out of fight and flight. It is a body that then is receptive to creating coherency so that we can energetically resonate with that which our mind wants to focus on. A relaxed body is in that rest and digest phase. It is not in fight and flight. The very first step is to create relaxation. This methodology that, I, that I'm going to be sharing with you, this process, takes the technique that I'll be sharing, which is body awareness technique to relax the body. And then from that very relaxed state, we're able to also tap into our inner wisdom. And we're also able to work from a very objective point of view with maybe some, uh, some beliefs or ways of being that are perhaps disempowering that which we are wanting to create. So this is all very relaxed state. It's a very coherent state, and it is one that we can quickly identify those ninjas in our subconscious that may be sabotaging all of our good deeds and, and intentions and be able to free us as well as allowing us to be more fully ourselves. So one thing I want to just give as a caveat is that shadow work is not about dismissing, clearing, fixing, or getting rid of anything. All shadows really are, are dismissed pieces of ourself that are often located in the subconscious where we may not even be aware of them a lot of the times so and we're not aware of them, hence why they are in the shadows because they're not brought to the light of consciousness. And they are parts of ourselves that still are laying in separation consciousness. Now, the kicker is, is that all of our shadows, ironically, they actually love us. They actually think that they're helping us. Even the um, shadows that I've talked to that are like just the biggest jerk offs, you know, the parts of myself that I've talked to that are like jealous and envious and angry and vengeful and all of these pieces that I then find after having a conversation and doing this work, they actually think that they're either protected, they were maybe programs at one point in time I actually did need and during a traumatic part of my life and they helped me survive, but they maybe never got the memo that they don't have to be on anymore. Um, or there are part of me that, that thinks that it's necessary. It thinks that it's needed. So what we do with this methodology is we don't erase the shadows. But what we're doing is we're bringing the shadow out of the shadow of the subconscious into the light of consciousness. And then through this process, we transmute them through acceptance as well as through like creating a new relationship with them 
which then actually transmutes that energy into now it's part of my unified consciousness. It's now longer, no longer separated. Love is the unifying force. So it doesn't make sense that we would approach these parts of ourselves that are there because of dismissal and separation in the first place with more separation as you don't deserve to be here, shadow. I need you to go away. That then is compartmentalizing ourself and, and therefore entrenching us deeper into the conscious of duality where we will then continuously be attacked by these subconscious ninjas who act, who actually think that they're helping us. So let's get, let's get to it. So the very first step will be the body awareness exercise. After the body awareness exercise, we will be doing a automatic writing that will help us get clear on what we want. And then with that same body awareness exercise and same automatic writing, we will be having a conversation that will help reveal to us any kind of internal resistance that's standing in the way of that desire. And we will be asking it three things. We will be asking it who it is. So, okay, the resistance came up and we're like, okay, who are you? Resistance, like, are you sadness? Are you anger? Are you fear? They might even have a name. I like to give my shadows names. Um, I have all kinds of funny ones. My subconscious loves um, like funny little things. So uh, it'll like give my shadows names like Weeping Wilma, for example, or Hefty Harry. Um, so yeah, if, if you want, you can ask it its name. So who are you? What is your name? And then the other two questions are, how do you feel that you're helping me? And then the last one is, what is it that you need to feel loved, supported, and integrated? Sometimes the shadow will give us like off the wall directions on what it needs to feel loved and supported and integrated. It might say, I need chocolate. Or it might say something that is like, seems pretty logical. Like anytime you're scared, just think of me. I'm here to give you strength. Sometimes the shadow, though, might give you directions on something you can't commit to. One of my shadows, for example, asked me to stop helping people. And I was like, eh, yeah, I can't, I can't do that. Um, so in that particular case, we can see if we can either renegotiate and ask it, um, is there anything else that I could do for you that would help you feel integrated? Or negotiations can't be had then I can thank it for coming to, to answering my call and then ask it if I could maybe have some conversations with that part of myself in the future as well. That doesn't usually happen as much, but um, it's really important that whatever it is that we commit to doing, uh, if there is something that we're supposed to do to help integrate the shadow, that we actually follow through with it. So if it's asking for chocolate and you're like, yeah, sure, no problem, I'll get you some chocolate, then make sure that relatively soon within the next few days that you go and have that chocolate. What that is is a subconscious anchor that brings the work that you're doing on a conscious level, on a mental level, and it brings it physically into your reality. It makes it real. So that's, the, that's kind of the, the magic, so to speak, in the follow through. All right, so... 
Um, if you're wanting to do this with me live, then have a piece of paper available and something to write with. Um, it's best if the piece of paper is not lined, if it is blank, but I mean, it's not a big deal if it's lined, but it's easier, I think, if it's not. If you are driving or doing anything of that nature, then I'm going to ask that you just maybe listen to the process and not follow along until you're in a place where you can um, fully focus on this safely. Okay, so the body awareness technique is something that I would recommend right now, especially like the world is kind of in turmoil at the point of this, uh, of this recording. And I would honestly recommend the entire world do body awareness techniques every day right now. Body awareness techniques helped me overcome my panic attacks. I had sometimes dozens a day and I was able to finally be panic attack free now for well over a decade. And what really shifted the tide was body awareness. You can start either from your toes or from your feet to your head or the opposite way. I'm going to start from my feet. Feel both feet. Feel the ankles. Feel your calves and shins. Feel both knees. Thighs and hips sinking down into the support beneath you. Belly soft, allowing the organs to fall forward. Chest, shoulders, arms, empty. Feel the neck and throat. Feel the jaw. Notice any clenching in the face. Relax the face. Whole head. Feel the whole body from the top of the head to the tips of the toes. Whole body. Relaxed and spacious. Becoming aware of the expansion on the inhale. Contraction on the exhale. Breath slow, easy, relaxed, effortless. Inhales are deep, exhales are complete. Whole body being breathed more than breathing. Feel the whole body.
Now, keeping this very relaxed state. If the eyes are closed, you may inhale them open, allowing the eyes to be soft, passive receptors of light. Picking up your pen, putting it on your paper. Simply ask, what does my heart desire most at this time? that would serve my greatest and highest good to focus on. No need to edit your writing. It's okay if some of it seems incomprehensible. Write whatever comes down. Write down images, memories, metaphors, emotions, physical sensations, anything you're experiencing as you focus on this question. What heart's desire would serve my greatest and highest good to focus on at this time. You continue to write until you feel complete, knowing that you can always come back to this process if you need more time. Now, Bring your awareness back to your whole body once more. Whole body. Feel the whole body. Regaining that relaxed state where we can be witness for ourselves. Once you're relaxed, again, breathe the eyes open picking up the pen, putting it to your paper. Ask, is there any internal resistance to fulfilling my heart's desire? If the answer is yes, follow it up with, who are you? What is this resistance? Once you have the answer, next question, Ask this part of you, how do you feel you are helping me? And if the answer doesn't make sense, you may always ask for clarification. Write down the answer. Last question. Ask this part of you, what do they need to feel loved and integrated? Write the answer down. Once you have the answer as to what they need to feel loved and integrated, and you've written it down, if you can commit to it, tell them so. If you cannot, ask them if there's anything else that would allow them to feel loved and integrated. If you need to renegotiate it another time, let them know that you would like to re convene with them at a later time. Once the process is complete, thank them for coming and wish them farewell and that you're so glad that you could reunite with them.
So taking a big deep breath in, exhale with a deep sigh. So as a follow-up to that, like I said, make sure that if there's anything that you're supposed to do to integrate, that you do the thing. And this doesn't mean that necessarily that part will never be felt. Again, this isn't about dismissal. It actually helps us to unconditionally love parts of ourselves that seem unlovable and thereby then unifying them. So now we are not trying to manifest with only half of our consciousness, half of ourselves, but now we can become more whole. We can be more authentically ourself and we can deepen our self-love at the same time as embracing more of our personal power. So thank you folks for joining me here. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Freedom Unfolding. And I would love to hear how the creation formula unfolds for all of you in your own personal life. Thanks again. And I'll see you back here next week, next Thursday at 3.33 p.m. Arizona time. Oh, 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 oh,